I'll see you, I guess, what, a couple weeks, next, two weeks, next week, two weeks, two weeks, yeah. two weeks. Jesus. All right. Not this um, weekend. No, Not no, no. Weekend, like the, the next weekend. The, it's the following weekend. Yeah. It, I mean, it's really soon. Oh my God. Yeah. That's really soon. Oh my gosh. It's really I, I, we, soon. We're in, the, we're in the midst of getting new banners and I'm in my brain. I'm like, Oh, it's not, it's like so far away. No, it's like, it's like this time next week. I, I better get that stuff. Up. Hey, welcome this week, sort of a crash episode. So a little early to support Andy Belanger's Kickstarter. So his mother trucking, well, his mother trucker Kickstarter. I just like saying mother trucking. Yeah, I wanted to get him on a few weeks ago, but I got really busy. He's been busy. So I shot him a line and said, hey, you need some fourth quarter help. I'll, I'm there. So uh, coming out to you a little, little early. I hope you uh, can go support his Kickstarter. The links will be in the doobly-doo. Yeah, it's been busy, busy, busy. The most dreadful part of novel writing, I believe, uh, comes in the form of the query phase. This is what I'm, <laughs> I'm learning. I don't like it. I, uh, I don't like it one bit. Trying to distill a huge book down into a paragraph, um, let alone just one sentence, is no fun. But it must be done. It's done. And now I'm sort of collecting my... Uh, target set list of agents out there who uh, I hope they they reciprocate at least with some uh, thank you but no thank yous rather than no response at all. I did meet two agents when I attended the Nebula conference and I did reach out to them earlier today and one of them did respond and it was like throwing a grenade into all my calm-minded meditative state. It was boom. Everything's upside down. So uh, I immediately hate every single word I've written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. But tomorrow morning, I must send the first 20 pages of the book because that is what has been requested. I, uh, yeah, I've done my best and that's all I can do. Uh, you know, we'll see. Fingers crossed, right? Anyway, um, Today's guest is Andy Belanger. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize if I'm not. Andy is just a blast to talk to. This is a little bit shorter because his Kickstarter is uh, almost over. So uh, as of tomorrow evening, yeah, like 24 hours from this coming in to uh, go check out Mother Trucker. Yeah, if you like pro wrestling, if you like big trucks, if you like science fiction, if you like a story with a meaning, um, if you like a really, really fun person, if you like Canadians, this is the book for you. So check it out. You can find him under his name um, on Instagram and Twitter, and you can go to his Kickstarter through the link here. Yeah, it's a great it's a great talk. And this is part one. Uh, we'll do a part two because there's just so much more we could talk about and we will. All right. I hope you enjoy it. We're, we're in a similar situation where we're 
like Carl and I need way more product all the time. And the only way we get more progress is if we actually are drawing the product and making the product. So yeah. we need someone to actually do all the, the media stuff and the Kickstarter stuff so that we can actually get back to working so that we can make a better business of this. Because like even Lady Death, like with Polito, he's putting out four or five Kickstarters a year, you know, and probably two or three of those are Lady Death. And then, you know, one or two is Hell Witch. And then one is the La Muerta thing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of affects the brand a little bit if you're not doing stuff on a regular basis. So yeah, um, it's it yeah. is so tough because like <clears throat> you know if you were working for you know Image, you know you were doing your book for Image, you don't have to do a lot of that other stuff. You know they're kind of like lifting a fair amount of the weight, um, unlike a Kickstarter where you are you're on. Like look at you, you're on right now. You know oh, this yeah. is this yeah. is the job. And, yeah, uh, totally. And it's it's like. It's, it's, it's lovely and horrible at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's, this is now my, my, um, I guess fifth. Okay. So I've done, I've done, um, this is my third mother trucker. Mm-hmm. I was running the psycho Gorman one, which was insane. Like that, that one got like, that one did, I think 72 something Canadian, wow. but just the, that whole project um it's about to go to the printers but like after like a year and a half but it was like trying to wrangle 35 creators to like do their work <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I'm done. i know how hard it is just for myself so yeah. trying to hire 35 more of me to like is, it's, is like ridiculous so i don't so know how Metal magazine did it back in the day when they were actually regular and running well because to come up with making everyone do their shit like mm. with that many people in one magazine because it always had like what is it like six different stories in a heavy metal magazine with one big fat one, but even just making sure that all those stories get done on time and they're in the book was, and I know it was a reprint magazine, essentially it's just European reprints, Uh but like still trying to get all that stuff together would be monthly would be a headache. Oh, it's tough. Yeah. I did. I've done one comic book Kickstarter and it was five, five different creative teams. And it really, I mean, it, well, I mean, and everybody like was great and they're all real super amazing people, you know, as everyone is, but it, it is a lot of work to try to, you know, it's like being like in charge of like a aircraft carrier, you know, you got to land yeah. all these, all these <laughs> projects in line, like, okay, you know, and get it going. It's tough. Yeah. It was super so, hard. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you're talking about like making the, making the whole thing grow. And I have this conversation with a lot of my friends and you know, it was, there's this difference between doing and, um, managing, which is a very, you know, and like when I like, when I left, um, my position as I was an art director, uh, Ralph Lauren for a few years. No way. Yeah. And I left that job and I had a lot, you know, a lot of contacts and all this stuff. And like, everyone's like, Oh, so you're going to go start a firm. Like everybody did. That was the natural inclination for everyone. But the problem is, is, you know, ego or whatever it is, I like doing the work. I don't want to be like making the calls to make sure that everyone else has done their work. And, you know, and the thing is what we do predominantly is unscalable. The design world, it's zero scale to it because you don't make any money after you've made the logo for a company, you know, like you don't have some sort of like, you know, licensing right for a logo. I've been trying to figure that one out for years. And I've had guys come at me with that. Yeah, no, like, I, I came up doing, with I'll, like, they'll do uh, uh, like, you know, it'll be like a logo for a comic. And they're like, well, I want a percentage of the comic. 
I'm like, right. no, no. Right. Right. <laughs> but like, and it's so funny because like a photographer who takes a picture gets paid rights for the volume of that, that picture's usage. Oh, serious. I didn't know. Yes. That. Like illustrators, the, the, the same thing. Yeah. Oh, like, crazy. so okay. it's, it's really interesting that the, you know, the designer, especially oh, the if you're, guy doesn't get it, but the photographer does. Okay. Sure. Like, yeah. Like, you know, the, you know, the, the story of that, you know, woman in Oregon who designed the Nike logo back in like 1971, you know, I like, mean, even if she got like a fraction of a percent, she'd be okay forever. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, gosh, what's her name? Uh, Tara McPherson. So there's a like a lowbrow sort of like juxtaposed magazine artist mm. that I knew named um, Tara McPherson. And Tara um, came to like a keg party I had in Toronto when I was in my like mid to late 20s. And it, we, it was at a Comic-Con. So like she was there for the Comic-Con, the Toronto Comic-Con and like hanging out with all her friends. And I used to have this like great gigantic house in little Italy in Toronto with a, one of the only houses that was like detached from all the other okay. buildings. So I had right, a garage. Right. So we had a party garage with like keg fridges and like, like, you know, couches everywhere. And I, I had a party house. I was you yeah. know, 27. It was like animal house. And, um, <laughs> uh, she came to this party and she was super pooping. She's like, I can only stay for a few hours. And I was like, Oh, bummer. What are you doing? She's like, Oh, I got to go design a logo for Nike. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's a logo for the Olympics. She told me how much she was getting paid for it. And she was going to do it that night in two hours, like at midnight in her hotel. And it was, Hmm. it was like, I think it was like a hundred G's. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. You're a star. Like, holy crap. Yeah. If you can, if you can, if you can get to those positions, that's great. And, you know, maybe you don't need your percentage, but, um, a lot of people, you know, cause you do a lot of startups, man. And a fair amount of those startups kick off and go pretty, you know, pretty far. And you're like, yeah. boy, if only I could have gotten a little bit of that taste, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well that's the life. But then that's, so that, that, you know, that talk, you know, sort of dovetails into the idea of that sort of a, thing is like you can only draw one book at a time you know what i mean like you just like there's only one page on the table at a time and it's so so hard um which is that's why writing is fantastic because you can write a few books in a month and go yeah yeah yeah. do do some great work for us um but you want to do that's the thing like you want to make these visuals happen that are in your head yeah i have to write right when this kickstarter finishes tomorrow night it ends like tomorrow at 10 I have to like jump right over to write a bunch of scripts, like comic book scripts. So that's what I'm doing for the rest of the week. And I always find like whenever the Kickstarter is finished is like, that's when I get irritable for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. I don't understand it. It's like, that's when my wife gets angry at me when it's over because it's like, you're so plugged in. Yeah. Like for a month solid, you know, and then all of a sudden it's done. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's the fact that like, you know, you got to switch gears into, you know, make mode, which is fine. I'm, that's what I'm most excited about the whole month anyway. I'm like, oh, I can't wait till it's over so I can, you know, just draw and write and all that stuff. But it's like right when it finishes, I get really irritable. It's like you're almost like for like a couple of days, I feel like purposeless. Yeah. And like, and it, my buddy on the weekend was describing it's basically because he just finished this wild giant project he'd been on for a month with no sleep. And he was like, what happens is, is you get really irritable after these projects because the adrenaline is basically like coming out of your system. The dump. You get an adrenaline dump. dump, And like that adrenaline dump always makes me feel like super 
irritable. Like when you're on a Kickstarter, you're always worried about all these spinning plates and spinning plates and then the plates are gone. You don't need to worry about it, but mm-hmm. you're still like being like, shouldn't, that mode. There, shouldn't right. there be something I'm doing? <laughs> well, yeah, you got a fire hose and you're running around looking, where do I, wait, where do I spray this? Like something yeah, has yeah. to be burning. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, like when I was a kid, I remember maybe you did this too, but like if something like, like, oh, your knee hurt or whatever, you'd start like, I, I would like punch my thigh. So like my, like my, my knee wouldn't bother me, you know, like, like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's just that kind of thing. So like, that's what it is, man. You're like that for a whole month, like your knee's been hurting you, but you've been being, you know, you're getting punched in the thigh the whole time. You don't, you can't feel it. And now it's over. Yeah. It's like the, if if you, if you have like a pain in one spot, but then something else happens and you get it in the other spot, it somehow cancels it out. It does. I, I don't, I mean, this is, you know, that's, you know, eight, eight year old science for me, but that's, I'm still holding on to that one, you know, after another 50 years tacked on, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, the, the, the book looks great, dude. The artwork oh, is you. just, it's outstanding. Um, oh, thank you. yeah. Um, yeah, I put it, everything into this, this comic, yeah. it, it all goes in. It's pretty, pretty bananas. Um, it's so funny because it was like, right when COVID was starting, I started to feel like you know, in a lot of ways, like Mother Trucker was the first book I ever did. Um, uh, there was parts of Southern Cross that I really liked, but my whole mm-hmm. goal has always been to like make a book that I would buy when I was 13. Right. Right. And pretty much my whole career, I was like, I probably wouldn't have bought my own book. <laughs> I was trying, <laughs> but like, I felt like I had gotten to the height of like my powers sort of like in 2019 and on okay. doing some of my like best work. And, um, you know, the industry just completely switched and changed and, and did its own thing. So, you know, then I found, you know, I found the crowdfunding thing and, and, you know, Carl actually suggested it and he was like, you know, you should try that. And as soon as I tried that, it was like, you know, you can monetize this thing to be like complete freedom and I can actually give people the stories that I want to give. I mean, I yeah. pitched, I pitched mother trucker to image three times. And then after the first Kickstarter and I finished it, I actually sent it to them. <laughs> it's like, Hey, look what, what I did. made this much money. Like, and then, you know, and then last year they did do a power bomb. And I was like, cause they were like, Oh, you know, wrestling comics don't sell. And I was right. like, Oh man. Well, I, you so, know, and it's so it's, it is super interesting because right now I've kind of feel like there is this, you know, wrestling comics boom happening. Like, like, I especially think on the- crowdfunding. Yeah. Oh, for sure. A lot of wrestling comics because I think people want it. Yeah. Um, of course they do. Yeah. I mean, Cat Fancy Magazine still still in print. Like people want what they want. And if you can just get that Venn diagram over enough people, man, you're going to get an audience. Yeah. In 2020, when I finished it, the first one, I, I the, the pitch that I sent to Image was basically like, I want to do Kenny Kuman, but like American style. Mm-hmm. So like that, that Japanese manga and show i basically wanted to make something like that but in north america with you know wrestlers but i didn't want it to feel like the movie the wrestler i didn't want to be telling stories like i would be experiencing right in the dressing room i wanted Mm -hmm. to mix it with like science fiction and you know 80s nostalgia and you know trucks yeah the color scheme of the 80s is just like spray painted over everything yeah so that's what i told my colorist tato i was basically like tato i want this thing to look like it came out from image like 
like when Image started with like Spawn <laughs> and <laughs> Youngblood and all that. I want it to be the most bombastic looking crazy thing ever um, as far as color goes. And he's yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Every time, every time I get one of his pages back, I'm like, ah, perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, fit, it fits the motif, you know, like, you know, the hook, the, you know, the art motif together in that color all just kind of blend in that, in, in that harmony. Um, yeah, you have, I mean, I, I mean, it, to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, it's like, I, I think the only, you know, proof you needed was just throw a stack of kiss comics down on the, on the table because like, they were like, what? It, we're up we're in costumes like this is superheroes yeah. like why are we not in a comic book and that's the same thing with wrestling there's oh there's only like you know 15 20 million people who watch wrestling every week it, it, they would love this stuff it's right up their alley yeah they're ba- it's basically like it's like you know as a wrestler like i wrestled on friday mm-hmm. right and like you know i'm wearing tights i have a mask i look like some sort of weird superhero or my character right now just kind of like looks like something from the x-men yeah (laughs) like and you know a lot of you know and there's so much different facets to wrestling you know it's sort of like there's a spectrum between sport and theater Mm -hmm. and um you know everyone fits on that spectrum in a certain spot you know what i mean and and the wrestling that they like kind of like can go on that scale but it's all like the, the storytelling is all superhero stuff like when i first started training, I, I, I was very difficult for me. And I, I started training older, like in my sort of mid thirties, I started wrestling out of nowhere. Um, when I, when I moved to Montreal and it was very hard for me to remember all the moves in a match. Cause like, you know, I was older already. My brain was kind of full of comics and, mm-hmm. you know, fuzzy. But then as soon as I realized, and it was taught to me that basically wrestling matches, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, I was like, Oh man, this is easy. You know, yeah. you have a shine where the good guy comes in, looks cool. You have a cool setting and he gets over on the bad, a bad guy a little bit. And then there's the cutoff where the bad guy ki- basically kills the hero and like, you know, yep. everything looks dour and down. And then you have the Hulk Hogan, you know, rise and come back, yeah. and then, you know, a final battle back and forth, back and forth until you have the final finish. And in the final finish, either the good guy wins and gets over on the bad guy and everyone cheers or the bad guy does something to cheat to beat the sure. Heel. And then you get a sequel and then you get a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's always cliffhangers, you know, if mm-hmm. a bad guy wins. So once I realized that it was like, Oh yeah, my shine has, you know, 30 moves in it. My comeback has 30 moves in it. Like it becomes very easy because you know, just like, Oh, at this part of the story and this chapter that we do every time, this is what I do. And it becomes very easy. And once you understand that with, you know, wrestling, it became clear to me with comics that I think a big thing in comics, I mean, there's so many different ways to tell a story, but I think the big thing is if we're still like, you know, in 2023, hanging on to the model where we're doing monthly comics Mm -hmm. and installments, then we need to start writing for it because it doesn't make sense to read, you know, some of these, you know, image or or black label comics in installments because the chapters are going to feel different right they always have this great hook for issue one but issue two and three you're just like you know the wheel because that's the downer part of the story as you're going up the roller coaster so Mm -hmm. that part of the you know that part of the story doesn't make sense unless i'm reading the whole book in one go you know and you can read a graphic novel in you know anywhere between an hour to six hours you know or less depending on the book but 
so the, those down parts make sense. But if, if you're like ending on the down part, I think you lose the audience. That's why you see some of these great dips after issue one comes out and the, the yep. book sold 35,000 copies. And then all of a sudden it's issue two and it's at 12. Yeah. You know, well, that makes complete sense. At, at eight, you know, it's like, th that's the reason for the drop off is you're writing, you're writing chapters of a book and no one cares about that downer part of the book as much as they do, you know, certain other things and that affects sales. So I yeah. realize it's a, you know, in a lot of cases, it's just, you know, the six issues are marketing and it's a lost leader. But at the same time, when I was a kid, we used to read those installments and those installments would be a satisfying story. So if mm -hmm. you put, picked up Batman in the 60s, 70s or 80s, it was normally like a, you know, a, a full story in there that you're reading. And that's what I wanted to get across with Mother Trucker. Now they're bigger comics, you know, your average comic now is 20 pages. And when I was doing tons of comics 10 years ago, they were 22. Sure. And, you know, so I write normally 32 to 36 page comics. So they're more satisfying in Kickstarter and I could get more in there. But I, I make sure that, you know, they have a beginning, middle, end. There's always a wrestling match in every comic because it's a wrestling comic. Can you yeah. imagine getting a wrestling comic and there's just like, like not one wrestling match? It would be the most <laughs> unsatisfying book ever. And, you know, you might be like, oh, I'm being so tricky with the fans. No, yeah. this is Kickstarter. People are paying money. It's got to be a, a, a complete story. And um, getting back to that is exciting. Um, Carl and I started um, Procursal, who does um, Death Transit Tanager, you know, and Batman, and all kinds of, you know, Flash Teen Titans. Uh, we got back into collecting comics again, like going to the store and getting old X-Men from Claremont. Mm -hmm. and, you know, all kinds of old stuff. I started recollecting all of um, uh, Larry Hama's G.I. Joe again. Dude. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I even have most of these comics, like, hidden somewhere. But I, we're yeah. just getting them again. You know, in that garage. The studio. Yeah, going forth in the studio, like, oh, look at this cover. Oh, look at, like, this story's mm -hmm. really crazy. Like, this is a great one I just picked up where Wolverine's on the cover, like, slashing down. And it, like, slashes. Oh, yeah, that's John Romita Jr. Is that issue. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that, in that issue, it's great. It's just a dream suite sequence by Rachel, who becomes, like, Neo- phoenix and her whole dream is she's being chased and murdered over and over by wolverine and because yeah. they're psychically linked over the battle that she had with the beyonder before and at the end of the comic sure enough she goes off to her parents place to like confront them and her evil side's coming out and who shows up at the door is like wolverine he's like yeah 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 your dreams uh yeah connected in real life here we are don't make me kill you <laughs> <laughs> i was like this is brilliant all in it was one great. comic it was also one comic so it had a, yeah. a very satisfying story uh, well, that, the the was, is, it, you know what these are ongoing storylines what you know what like the, you know chris and other writers were doing but what they were doing is they were making episodes each issue was an episode like it had it had like a mission every single one was a mission something was happening and we have to come to a conclusion but that thing pushes along whatever the major story you know plot line is you know we get we pick up the little bit of grains of information or you know components as we move along and then we build towards that big huge you know sort of finale but i mean you know chris is the master of of you know of weaving you know year after year after year of these amazing stories um and, oh yeah and i you know and i don't know like i think one of the big differences being is when these creators were making the books in the seventies and the eighties, there wasn't the trade paperback. 
That's right. So people weren't writing for this five to six issue collected edition. You know, we got those when there was what was called the miniseries. You know, so yeah, there right. would be the standalone miniseries. And, you know, because we didn't like in 1979, Marvel didn't publish, you know, the, the Count Nefaria run it, from the Avengers because they published them already. Why would we do yeah, it right. again? And, uh, so that's where we, I I think, so the psychology of the business is like, cool, like you said, a loss leader of pumping out the images, but then we're going to make our money, you know, back by putting it into a bound edition. And I think the writing has become focused on, okay, I'm going to make a five issue story arc. I'm going to make it, you know, rather than like just the ongoing series is cruising along. And that's not everybody. Of course, there are writers doing that every month kind of quality, but it's just a very different model. Yeah, I, I found like every time I try a new series lately, I, I'm like normally hooked in issue one. Right. And if you don't hook me in issue one, I'm I get I'm angry. I'm oh, like, yeah. you're you're dead in the water already. Like, yeah. But if I'm hooked in issue one, I find like I get really excited. I'm like, ah, oh, I just tried this new series, and then I get to issue two, and almost every time issue two and three, I'm bored to tears. And it just doesn't feel very thought out. I don't think there's enough planning. I think a lot of these mm. writers take on too many books in a month and then they fall behind and then they start kind of winging it. And for me, it's, a, you know, it's been a big problem in some of my books. Like as much as I, I you know, I love Southern Cross, I always saw it more as an Agatha Christie. So I thought it was going to be more, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a whodunit. You know what I mean? You'd have like red herrings. You'd have like, yep you know, uh, like a really solid sort of plot, but uh, you know, a lot of people get busy and they start writing, you know, kind of on the fly. And mm-hmm. for me, at least if you're going to write a, a mystery, you need to have a solid hard outline. So whenever I do yeah. mother trucker, cause I'm kind of new to, new to I'm not brand new to, to writing. I've always written and drawn my own comics sort of on the side, but like, before I did Mother Trucker in 2019, I got on to, um, you know, Masterclass. And yeah, sure. I did all all the creative writing courses. So like they were David great. Gammon and, and oh, yeah. Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman and, and um, Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the Dan, Dan Brown one. Um, yeah. Short chapters. Go for the short yeah. chapters. Yeah, I did. I did all of them. All those those things. I just got the Allard Moore one like a couple months ago, but I mm-hmm. barely started. I only listened to the first two and then the all this you kickstarter can, stuff got you can busy. buy that thing individually yeah that one you can buy individually because it's right, cool. BBC. but okay. i mean i think i had the master class like yearly subscription for three or four years in a row right um i even like checked out some of the acting classes like i watched i watched samuel jackson's acting class and it was hilarious oh yeah like, it was almost like it was like watching a movie of like a lot of like acting students like just I don't know what to describe. They were always doing the scene from Pulp Fiction where they're sitting in the diner, like, yep. um, you know, talking about the briefcase, like when the guy, when Tim Roth has the gun on Sam Jackson and then, mm-hmm. you know, um, John Travolta runs in. So it would be that scene, but all the, all the, the acting students would like switch spots and you get to see the, do the scenes. And it was like, <clears throat> like, I, I, you know, I'm not dissing, but it was hilariously bad. Like <laughs> <laughs> everyone's different take was just hilariously bad. And you were kind of like, you know, a lot of comics, there's like a lot of acting that goes into it. Like when I'm drawing <laughs> the characters and I always find it's really great to do one last dialogue pass after you finish the art, because sometimes like 
what I drew, the, you know, the emotion on the character in that scene is not as powerful as it should be. Mm-hmm. And I find also that when, you know, you're really pumping out comic work, it's really, the speed involved, you're not always going back into the script. Right. You know what I mean? You're kind but, of yeah, like, right. I already did the rough, so it's fine. It should be fine. And yep. you don't even look at the script. And then, you know, you want to match it up after. And it's like, oh, all the emotion that should be in that line of dialogue is just not what was drawn on the page. Mm-hmm. So I find with Mother Trucker, I can, you know, focus in a little harder on making sure that the drawings have the acting that needs to be involved with the, the lines of dialogue. And then, you know, that's been the trickiest thing for me, too, is, is um, writing dialogue. Um, I try and write dialogue like, you know, if you pick up like a Donnie Cates book, every character kind of has the same sort of intonations and they kind of sound the same. Right. But when it's I'm writing, Don, it's book, Donnie's voice. Yeah. It's basically Donnie's voice coming out of right. every character, the same ums and like, you know, cut mm-hmm. off half sentences and stuff. So it's it, like some of that stuff is hard for me to ingest, but when I'm trying to write, I'm trying to write for the actual character mm-hmm. and you know, I find this is like a big thing with script writing now, now on comics and in television and film, every character that's written now is like that swarmy Deadpool, you know, I'm the smart alecky character. Wait, I'm in the story and I'm the smart alecky character, but wait, I'm the smart alecky character. And it's just not, it just, I didn't like the smart alecky character. (laughs) Like in the nineties when it became like a thing with like Deadpool and mm-hmm. different characters where the smart, smart Alec guy was like always there in the nineties and the eighties, there was only, only like one smart alec character. You know what I mean? And then right. all of a sudden now I watch TV and everyone like, especially Marvel, everyone's the smart alec character, right? you know? Yeah. So it's really difficult to ingest because it sounds annoying. Yeah. So, you know, I try to write for the characters, but writing for the characters can be, it, it's difficult. It's a, it's it a is. Tough when you're, you're trying to switch over, you have one who's an intellectual who's spitting off a bunch of words on the page. And then you have another who's the, you know, the strong, silent t- type, and then you have a smart Alec and then you have a, you know, mm-hmm. your, 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 you your know, practical teacher. individual. Yeah, you're a wizard, you're mage, you're sort of like yeah, right. You know. Everything's a D and D party. Let's just be honest. Yeah, exactly. Every single, like when you're every writing, single thing's a D and D party. Completely. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. where are we? Oh, we're, we're oh, this is uh, Wall Street. Okay, well, the D and D party's in Wall Street, and that will just cast everyone in that role. Yeah. yeah. Also, I try to write with flaws. I try to take every character and like throw flaws on them, like like I feel like Marvel did when it started. Remember <clears throat> when mm-hmm. Marvel started? It felt like. Marvel characters were just all always more accessible than DC characters because they always had like there's always one gigantic inherent problem in the personality of every yeah. one of those characters. They were relatable, completely relatable. So like yeah. you know the Hulk is just a, a like he's a rage machine, and we can all like identify sure. with that. Or or Spider Man's a teenager who's actually like really awkward and terrible at speaking with girls. And I think that was like the big thing with Superman. When people were writing Superman, modern Superman, they don't understand the only thing that makes Superman work is when he's Clark Kent. Right. If you don't have a strong Clark Kent story in your Superman comic is worthless because he's, he's omnipotent. But when he's trying to like hook up with Lois Lane and he has no idea how to be a human or to be social. And the fact that he was on a farm his whole life and probably didn't have any friends, that also helps. He didn't have mm-hmm. much of a social life growing up. So so take his life on the farm and he's an alien. You throw him in the middle of a city trying to like 
you know, hook up with a girl that he think is cute and he's like awful at it. And then we can yeah. all identify with him because he's so sure. bad at it. We've that was kind all, of the key to Christopher yeah. Christopher Reeve, he was so he, goofy as Clark He Jen. embodied like, that whole like he he took on the willingness to be so uncomfortable and awkward as an actor. So we as the viewer went, oh okay, it's okay. Like it's all okay. Like and like th- and we know it's Superman. So we're like, okay, like even Superman is not perfect. And that's really cool to know. So if you watch if you watch Kill Bill, like the last Kill Bill, the second Kill Bill movie, there's a scene where Bill is basically saying, you know, Superman puts on the the, the costume of Clark Kent because that's right. his his commentary on humanity. Humanity's like so Superman is such an egotistical dick that he just does that because he thinks this is what they're like. And I was like, that's a real dickhead way of looking at Superman. I think he's like legit has no idea. He's like a, I think he, the- he, he wants to fit in and he can't. He's not Superman. He yeah. is a, he's a kid who grew up on a farm in yeah. Kansas and finds out he, you know, and grows into becoming Superman. Like yeah. that's who he is. So his, his, his shortcomings as a child are his shortcomings as an adult. Um, you know, he's capable of doing anything physically, but he has, he's, he's, you know, in here he's human, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of amazing. Like when I was a kid, I just couldn't stand the character of Superman. Like I just didn't like him. But now that I'm, you know, now that I'm older, he's kind of the most interesting one. And he's mm-hmm. never treated with this sort of idea, at least in the, that I see in the comics. Hardest character. He's the hardest character to write for. And which to me has always made him the best character because the yeah. challenge you have to like the writer and the artist have to rise to such a high level to honor that that combination that's what makes him amazing and that's why we don't have as many amazing superman stories as we have maybe with batman who is a, a lot easier to kind of dive into you know yeah and there was that time during dc 52 where they just made every character batman everyone's wow. got a dark past everyone's got a dead girlfriend parents grandmother <laughs> uncle. brooding it's brooding. Brooding and time. just like oh my god dark past everyone come on yeah. Like, well, you know, I, it's, I mean, man, like, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you were a comic kid in the nineties. I mean, you, yeah, like, totally. Wolverine was in every comic book they could put him in <laughs> and that was intentional, you know, yeah. cause they only had one. We got to put yeah. him everywhere, you know? Yeah. 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 But he was, yeah. he was, he was cool. And, yes. and like, but him, it was mysterious past. Just no idea sure. where I'm from. And once you uh, like told everyone his past, everyone was like, eh, who cares? We don't like right. him anymore. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it, that was, I mean, it was funny, you know, cause I, I, you know, I was penciling in the nineties and I remember having conversations, you know, with the editorial group in the X office and, you know, they would talk about him, like his past and who he was, but like, they're like, we're never, we're not putting this out there because the value of it, you know, they knew. They knew that that was who he was, but gotta, ultimately, like ultimately, the fans who want to know end up working in the companies, and then they're like, "Let's tell everybody." <laughs> yeah, you got to hang on to those those things that made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone wants to like throw in a backstory, like you know, Rob Zombie. Let's throw in Michael Myers' backstory. Well, you just killed it. He's not interesting anymore. You know right. what I mean? It's like, why are you trying to create? pathos for Michael and sympathy. Myers. I, like, you, like you shouldn't have sympathy for that character. You absolutely. should be like, he is so scary because he is so unknown. Like, yeah, like I, you know, it's like Jaws. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like you don't need a backstory with Jaws. You just know he's in the dark and get him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. 
It's terrible. So what? Yeah, no, yeah, totally. What's your pro? Well, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get that one. But yeah, what's your <laughs> process with with the writing? You know, like I mean, if if I mean, you know, I mean, like in the terms of putting yourself in that role on the key, you know, on the key, key marquee saying writer, like, what is your, what is your, like, did you have to like re sort of contextualize how you approach writing stories? I, I do it, um, because, oh, because like, um, you know, I haven't been, you know, most of my life I was the, the, the artist. I wasn't the writer. I wanted to really learn to to do the writing. So I do full scripts and mm-hmm. full outlines and I write it all out and I, I do the, the work, work part, you know, like I've worked for, you know, DC and, you know, a lot of these companies. And sometimes, you know, you work on a thing with, you know, Snyder and it's like a sentence at the top mm-hmm. and you have to like do the whole page. And then he's going to write the dialogue after, um, because he's got to save time because he's writing so many things. Right. But like, I want to, in order for me to get better, I think I need to do the work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So everything I'm doing is in full written out outlines, full scripts. Um, I have an outline for like the first um, 12 issues or, or 12 chunks. Basically, yeah. I have an outline and it's, it's loose. You know, there's always mm-hmm. things that come up and change, um, you know, especially when I'm like, you know, I was I was workshopping like this, this comic part three, just like on Friday with someone uh, with my wife. And she was like. Uh, you have this one part that's like super lazy writing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for wives. All right. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. just say that. Thank like God for wives. Super, super lazy. Uh, Cause like I have pieces in the story that have to happen uh-huh. and I'm like, Oh, no problem. Like I'll, I'll connect the dots. It's going to be fine. And then, you know, you tell someone that and they're like, that's convenient. And that's also a little convenient. And now you have a third thing that's just ridiculously, unbelievably convenient. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So we had to like, you know, go through and workshop that and, you know, getting feedback is the most important thing, I think, you know. Oh, Taking for sure. Credit. I, that, uh, I, I watched a lot of interviews and read that book by Palinuk on writing and he's, yeah. he's always in writing groups. You know what I mean? He's yeah. always in these great writing and, and, and like, and famously, like sometimes like to burn the whole group down by grossing the crap out of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> some, something he's written and all of a sudden everyone gets offended and doesn't want to hang out with them anymore. <laughs> I don't want to end up on the pages of, the, of your next book. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I find that stuff great. So I think, you know, no matter what, you, you know, killing your darlings is like the most important thing that you can do as an artist and never For be. sure attached to the work too much. And like, I, I like, I want everyone to read it and, and check it out before I commit to the drawing part. So, um, you know, uh, as far as the writing goes, um, you know, mother, what's funny about mother trucker is it's like a satire. Like the whole book is about how in North America, we are completely complacent with the most horrific violence, you know? And, but if we see a naked boob, we lose our minds. Right. 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 And that's yeah, what the book's totally. about. Like literally, you know, something crazy violent happens in Mother Trucker, and then she jumps in to like get in the fight and like tears her shirt off to freak everyone out so she can win the fight. Right. And and literally everyone in the comic is like, no, don't show us. Like the ref is throwing up. The the guy she's fighting is like, oh no. Like, yeah. you know, and that's her her like move. But the, the it's what the book's about. It's about censorship and it's about you know, you go, like I spent a year in Italy, actually my wife um, is a painter and she goes to school in Italy to uh, Angel Academy, which is a sort of famous school for high realism um, painting. And when you're over there, like none of these hangups are in, in Europe, 
you know, like you walk down the street and there's just like gigantic naked statues and no one Mm -hmm. blinks an eye or or says anything. It's always funny when they hire like Milo Monero to come do something in North America and everyone like loses their mind and just really making fun of everybody. He's He's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's so stuck up, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like even myself and my friends. You know, they, they see the work I'm doing and they're like, oh, you're just doing these titty books. I'm like, oh, you have to read it. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> like, right. It's kind of making fun of it. Like you're, I am, I'm kind of making fun of you. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm for that exact thing that you just did. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the funny part. I'm literally writing to like make fun of your stigma and, you know, and you just called me on it. You know, like what? it was funny because my mom was like, I'm going to, I'm going to put in some money on your Kickstarter, but I want you to know, I can't show my friends. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, right. there's no sex in it. Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Like you've all had kids. Like it's, you know, so some of these things are like, you know, that's what I like. I'm kind of like a, when I write, I, I, I enjoy feeling a bit like a jester in a way, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Sure. Or really, like, yeah. Right. You're pointing like a at bad the king. Kid. Like I'm always trying to like do something like, bad but not in your face like i like to do it kind of like where i'm a little bit like subtle and tricking you and i think sometimes being subtle people it just like goes over people's heads like they don't get it well it's it's the curse it's the curse of comics or the cover because you know we you know don't judge a book by its cover but that's what we all do we just look at this picture and we've got a thousand words so now we're taking this thousand words and we're making our commentary on it rather for whatever purpose it is and I think that's an inherent thing. By the way, I just want to mention and say thank you for the shortest and and, and sweetest um, Kids in the Hall episode right there when you talked about your mother and your Kickstarter. That was great. Oh, yeah. um, do you watch Kids in the Hall? Oh, dude, yes. Okay, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just started... Yeah. Uh, so I watched the whole, the, the original, like the whole thing in the original, like love it, the Same. movie. And then I watched the whole new series, which was like yeah. ridiculous. And, you know, it wasn't as funny, but like there was a few that really, I, I love. There's Straight one up. Where, um, oh shoot. What's his name? The guy that was on the news radio. That um, would be Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Remember though? I don't know if you watched the new series. Did you watch the new series? Yeah. Oh yeah. I watched there's, it. Yeah. There's one, there's one where he's like a, a disc jockey in a bunker just playing uh-huh. the same song over and over and yeah, over yeah. again. And totally. it like, it comes up in a few episodes and each time it seems to get darker and darker yeah. and darker. And it's yeah. like kind of like the biggest David Lynch sort of thing ever. And mm-hmm. a lot of the other ones are just goofy, but that one in particular, I just, there's something about it that I just love. It was so dark. <laughs> they, you know, it's funny that, you know, the new season had this whole sort of th- these sort of through line darknesses, which that was one of them. The other one being uh, the head of the head of the, uh, the corporation, you know, in his, oh, yeah. how he was treating his assistants. Like there was this really interesting sort of like thread running through that. Um, you know, it's funny you, now that we're talking kids in the hall, there is that one old episode, that one skit where Dave Foley has boobs he's in the steam room oh yeah yeah and yeah, he's like yeah. he's like you, you know me right bob and bob's like yeah of course i know you he's like, he's like well would you notice anything different about me you know like and then he takes his top off and he had boobs and i was and I'm like and i'm like it's that's a, that's a similar commentary to what yeah, your, totally. your your book is yeah well those Sweet. guys were just like like no whole like I, I watched some some of the old episodes recently like i started watching it again and none of that stuff would play now like oh, you couldn't do no anything. way there's one where um Oh, the tall guy with glasses is like Mark totally, McKinney. Yeah, he's totally in blackface in one of them. 
Oh yeah. 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 And, and Scott Thompson like, oh, leaving wow. his house five times and having the kid ride by on the bike, call, <laughs> calling him an F a G. I don't know if I can even spell yeah, it, but yeah, yeah, it right. was, I, but he, you know, it was, it's so funny how he behaved the whole way. It was just, you know, yeah. he's, he's brilliant. Um, yeah, no, it's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. So, well, I mean, but I, I, I think, you know, I like your, I like your approach. Like your approach is like, you're going to expand your capacity as far as you can on the writing aspect, like push yourself so hard. Like you're going to go like, I'm going to, you're going to do everything because you're yeah. also doing full script. And then you're going back and you're re-scripting on the, on the final R. Like you are, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're making all the moves. Like you're doing the whole job of like three, you know, two or three people in that respect, which is pretty damn, you know, do you, yeah, I started, you a- I started a novel in 2019 too, while I was doing these courses just to see yeah. if I could, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I'm sure. about like, I've got about 75 pages yeah. and like, I've already had some like classic mistakes where I start writing myself into a corner where I'll, I'll be writing and I'll be like, holy, like in, in the, the one I'm writing about, it's, um, it's called the Pontiac. And it's like, um, it's kind of like about haunted ghost stories that happened to me when I was a kid. And there was like a lot of weird stuff like that. So I, mm-hmm. I you know, I started writing a book on it and the one ghost story I'm working on now is like this one summer camp I went to where I like made out with a girl for the first time. And I wrote about that scene, like the first kiss sort of thing. And then, you know, some stuff happens in, in the, in the, in the story. And then I got right back to writing a scene exactly like it. Mm. And I was like, and for a long time, like it was like 20 pages of this scene, kind of like doing it again. Yeah. You know, and after I reread it, I was like, oh my God, I wrote the same scene twice. Like, <laughs> this is so stupid. I have to act this whole thing. It was so dumb. It's um, not, it made sense in my head at the time, but like, yeah. you know, you just, you know, I wrote, I wrote the similar scene and that's, that's prose. Like, it's a little different in comics because yeah. the only way to write comics is you come up with your script and I have to sit there and chop apart each mm-hmm. section, bullet point. So I, I, I know the, the real estate I have for the pages. Yeah. Right. Like I know, okay, I have a fight scene. Well, I want that to be really cool in every comic. So I'm going to give it six pages. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I have a scene with this guy, a scene with this guy, you know, I have a flashback scene at the beginning. So it's like you start divvying up all the pages and it becomes very formulaic a little bit because, you know, you have to chop it apart, the the real estate of the story apart. But when you're writing prose in a novel, it kind of feels like, you know, you're just going, you know, you're just going and going. And, um, you know, and a lot of those guys were saying, you know, go get yourself a space. Like it doesn't have to be in the country. It can be anywhere, but fire out the whole novel in one mm-hmm. go. Don't go right. back. Don't edit. Just fire the whole thing out. Do it for two or three months. Like, like, you know, smash through a novel and then go back and edit it. Or mm-hmm. you're forever just editing and yep. rewriting instead of like doing it. And I was totally, another thing, I was totally guilty of every day when I was writing the novel, uh, I was writing it in Italy when I was there because I was doing a lot of, of the courses. Um, I reread everything I wrote mm-hmm. every time and eventually it got to be like, you know, it'd take me like an hour and a half just to do the read. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> before I started <laughs> writing, I was there for half an hour or an hour or two hours just doing the read through being like, no, I don't like this. Uh, no. no, I don't like this. You know, and the, you know, the, the story in the novel could have like, you know, come out faster probably if I had just, machine gun through it. And then I could have been like, Oh, look, the same scene twice. That's us. Yeah. It's, it's super tough because you have to, you have to have the fortitude to shut off that internal editor 
to yeah. just plow forward. And like, if you have a, like, if you made an outline, you sort of have sort of landmarks to write to, which make, which does help that process. But you need to not worry about the words that you put down because drafting is one thing. That's what that's called. You're drafting. Yeah. Writing is going back and fixing all those mistakes because there's going to be mistakes. There's no, you know, there's no oh, yeah. reason to think you're going to create a, a finished piece of work in one shot. It's just not, it's just not happening. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And and I, I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a copy editor's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I never, I just, even when I'm doing like, you know, tweets or, or messages on Instagram and stuff, I like barely ever check again. I just, brrr. and I remember, um, I was really tight with Darwin Cook before he like passed, like he was one of my good, good buddies. And I remember, I can't remember where he was, we were, but it's like someone had asked him about, oh, I read this comic you made and there was like a misspelling mistake. And he was like, <laughs> so... And the person right. was like, don't you think you should fix that? And he's like, I remember him saying like, I'm not the fucking copy editor. Right. <laughs> like, and I was just like, yeah, he's not the, it's not his job. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you do, you, I mean, it was funny. Someone actually, oh, it was uh, Ron Mars was, someone was talking about something on Twitter and today and Ron Mars, you know, it's like, well, it's, a, it's the, the writer's job to not make mistakes. I'm like, well, actually it's the editor's job to fix all the mistakes of the, of the writer. Like the writer should be able to make mistakes and that's okay. Let yeah. let the editor say, Hey, I think uh, you, you may want to change. We should change the spelling here. And then, Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are, we are not infallible or immutable. No, I, I always think when you're on, on, you know, when you're on the internet and someone goes to f- like be a dick about spelling, it says more mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, if that's the rule, I, I'm the nicest person in the world because I am the worst speller. So the, the, oh, if, I'm, I'm definitely probably worse. Oh, then we have to get into the cage. We're going to have to have yeah, a cage fight. Exactly. Worst speller ever. Worst spelling match ever. <laughs> How many L's in installment? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That was oh, literally no, no. today. That was today. I was like, okay. oh, how many L's in installment? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I have the lifetime, uh, you know, license for pro writing aid because I have to do, I have to run my, everything I do through that because commas seem to be some sort of like artistic expression in my half rather than, you know, an actual punctuation. That's always the fun part for me is commas. I'll, I'll, I'll th- throw them down where I think they go. Right. And then someone else like has to edit them and they're like, do you not know where to put commas? I'm kind of like, kind of, this is kind of, go ahead I mean, and fix that, it. And you like, don't need to tell me that you're fixing it. Just do it. I don't Right. Care. It It's like, it's like, it's like pulling the person over riding, driving on the wrong side of the road saying, don't you know which side of the road you're supposed to be on? The answer is no. We all know this. So why are we asking the question? Yeah. Let's move to more constructive. I like, I like how this podcast just like went straight up to being about writing. That's hilarious. It'll go anywhere it wants to go. I don't, yeah. I don't have any control over this one. It's yeah. just, it's just how it happens, man. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, let's, let's, I mean, let's just kind of do a little like thing, like how, like, was there a spark for the, for the, for mother trucker? Like, did you like go like, Oh, this has to be like, I got to do this. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I got into wrestling was to make a wrestling comic. Right. Oh, no like, shit. It was, it was meant to be like, uh, 
it was meant to be like one of those things where you hear like some actor has to play like a superstar chef. So they go get a mm -hmm. job in a restaurant and learn to cook and so that they look more realistic when they're doing the thing. It was a bit like that. And, you know, I had made friends with a bunch of wrestlers and wrestling has its own language. And, you know, it was mm -hmm. being it was being, you know, spoken around me and I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And, um, I, I thought it would be really cool that if, you know, I started wrestling, I, I'd be able to get this language and be able to tell like the greatest wrestling comic ever. And, um, you know, as soon as I started performing, I got hooked on performing. Like wow. once you get out there in front of a crowd, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. Right. Like even on the weekend, I'm always a baby face. Like I'm always like the good guy. Yeah. Right. Like I'm a big plush looking character with fur shoulder pads and everything <laughs> and a mask and the kids go crazy when I come out and I had to face uh, the guy who got me into it, um, Shane Hawk in the match on Friday. And, and he's the champion and a good guy and a baby. Oh, face. Wow. So when we were in the back, he's like, why don't you just take a turn at being like a super bad guy? And I was like, yeah, I haven't really, you know, I haven't really done it besides in practice. So let's go out there and do it. And when I came out, the whole, the whole, you know, arena was like erupting for this baby face that just walked in and the kids were running by and giving me high fives and everything. And I'm like, oh man, I have to like turn into a bad guy quick. Wow. <laughs> because this is like a super, like they love me here as a baby face. Like this is yeah. going to be very difficult. And it was, you know, the theater part of wrestling, I'm really good at. So the second I got in the ring, I had them going from yay to boo, like super quick. And that's really hard to do in matches. But like I have a, I, I'm the oldest brother of like five. So I have like a real hardcore, like buried down deep bully streak. Yeah, so, yeah sure. <laughs> so you just pull the bully out and it's, uh, it's super easy. You know, he's holding up his belt and I push him, take his belt, lick it. Right. Like, ah, it's mine. And then all of a sudden everyone's like. Boo. And he, he kind of looked at me and he was like, that took like 15 seconds. <laughs> and then for the rest of the match, I was like, you know, I didn't want to fight. And like, it was, it was hilarious, but I never get to do that. You know, like every guy, every, it's so funny because wrestling, a lot of people come out and they want to be, they want to be baby faces. You know what I mean? Like I'm the cool guy. I'm the stone cold Steve Austin guy. I'm the cool guy. But it's, there's so much more to it than just that. And whenever you meet someone that thinks that they just want to be the most over with the fans and happy, um, you're kind of like, oh, you're boring. Like the, the right. cool ones are always the bad guys who, who like when they get into wrestling know that being a heel is like super fun. Also yeah. the way like being a baby face is fun. But like the spark basically came when, you know, I was working with some people in video games and we go out you know, for beers and stuff. And, you know, I'd talk about wanting to do a wrestling comic and, you know, some of these ideas came out and, you know, the idea for the, the, the trucks got in there and, you know, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, instead of telling just a regular story like that, I want to, I want to tell like a space opera with, you know, you know, super Americana with like transport trucks. And in mm -hmm. Japan, they have a thing called Dectora which is basically they take all their transport trucks and dress them up. So they look like transformers. They have thousands of lights. So they cool. have these big like festivals. We have nothing like it in North America. Yeah. Like the transport trucks chrome. we have here, they have chrome. shows with really nice paint jobs. But over there, they're like, if you look it up, they're like great. They look like transformers. Like mm. they don't even look like trucks. They look like transformers with like millions and millions of lights. And then they'll have like a really cheesy mural on the side of like, you know, 
teddy bears or wizards or whatever. <laughs> you're like, this is, these guys are amazing. So I got hooked on this sort of like phenomenon in Japan, you know, and you start putting two and two together and mixing all this stuff. And, and that's sort of like where it came out of. And the story was originally about a, a, a male wrestler called Big Rig. And he was going to, you know, it was about his like turbulent relationship with his kid. And he had a wife and the wife's name was always Mother Trucker. But then when I was in Italy, I was like, you know, I think I want to tell the story about her instead of the dude, mm -hmm. at least for the first book. So because I was over there, you know, every day collecting Monera and Serpieri and Mobius mm -hmm. and all the Italian stuff that I had read when I was a teenager, I was actually buying it like an original format in Italian. And I, I was like, ah, I gotta, I want to do it about the, the, the woman. So it's more of like a wonder woman kind of style story. Right. Um, and then the, the book after this is actually, I think we're going to call truck off and it's going to be about her story taking on the bad guy and her husband getting out of prison and dealing with the kids. So there's going to be like two major storylines going on in the next thing. And it's going to open up more like a, a team book eventually. Like, oh, in cool. Yeah. I'm going to do, I, I think I'll do 18 installments, three all right. big books. And then, uh, I have another gigantic epic that's, um, being worked on in the background that I'm going to work on. It's like my, it's like my twin peaks. I have like a, like a twin peaks style sort of gigantic epic that's in the background that I've been oh, right toying with over. Yeah. It's all horror based. So that's gonna, that's going to happen after. And, um, yeah, you got to learn to draw both hands on yeah, two I pieces wish I could. of paper. Yeah. Well, I, I have two comics that I'm in that are in development right now with our company um, that I'm just writing. So I have one called Parkas that's coming up about uh, a bunch of brothers who um, their their mother kind of like runs them as like a as a you know like a crew from like the Heat from the movie Heat. And they're okay, kind yeah. of like, yeah, they're kind of like these rough kids in Quebec that run around and rob banks and commit crimes and they live in the countryside and then come into the city to commit the crimes and they wear these big parkas and the parkas are like bulletproof and full of like weapons. And oh, very cool. They wear like lucha masks some sometimes, but they, um, uh, basically they like a, like a alien lands on their, their farm and, um, the alien is like a, it, it gives you like crazy powers and it's, it acts like a bit of a drug too. Like they get high off it. So it's, right. it's really, Parkas is a really weird story that I've been working on. And then I have another one called BMXV, which is what kind of like my ode to lost boys. And actually I got a guy drawing I'm it totally right now. in. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's basically BMXV is like BMX vampires or ramp vamps. Yeah. It's like my, my ode to lost boys. So it takes place in Wasaga beach in Ontario. And it's like, uh, there's a, a main guy who's like a BMX champion and he falls in love with a girl next door, but she's dying. And he's basically like, do I become champion of BMX on the beach or do I become a vampire and heal her? So it's kind of save like save her for eternity, save her for eternity. She'll be my girlfriend forever, but I won't be champion of BMX because it happens in the <laughs> sunlight. So <laughs> what a sacrifice. You want to sacrifice. Yeah. So he's got a, he's like, he's a conflicted dude the whole time. You could start a whole indoor BMX night series <laughs> race championship. I mean, come on. He's yeah. really looking at it in this short term. Yeah. 
so those are those are the two projects I have on the side that I'm just writing. And are you gonna are you planning to draw both of those as well along? No, no, no. Or? There are other okay, artists. Good. I, I already have the two artists working on it. All right, good. Yeah, I'm not. Good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna write those. Um, but it's just like while you're on one series for this long, and like so much mm-hmm. work goes into it, and it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I could just be in the mother trucker business. Um, yeah, which I'm doing now, and it took a lot of work. Like, you know, my wife had to like come in and basically. I've heard. I'm sure you've heard of time blocking. So she yes. had to like. She basically blocked out the next three years of what I have to do. Right here's um, you have to be here doing this at this time. Yeah, yeah, like you have this many pages this month, like, and it's it's planned to like you know two and a half years mm-hmm. from now for for everything yeah. I got to do to to get the thing done and um yeah it's a huge huge job but you know I've only done one book a year so far and that kind of hurts momentum of everything so mm-hmm. you know we have things we're doing in the company where we want to hire more staff to come in and help and you know then I can instead of doing one a year, do like three or four a year mm-hmm. and get the whole series out faster. And, you know, then I can get on to my, the next project I'm going to actually write and draw. So well, it, that's, that's the thing is, that, you know, you, we have these, you know, once you start, once you give yourself permission to write, you know, the, the, the floodgate opens up oh, yeah, and these ideas just, they, they pull right on up to the, the to the dock and they're like, Hey, I'm here. Let's go for a ride. And you're like, Oh, I want to hop in that one. And it's such a tough, tough, you know, thing. And like, so if you're like, you know, like if you're doing what you're doing, which is this writing an art thing, then you have like, that's a lot of work to get the thing done. Or if you're writing a book, you know, you can't write a second book at the same time. You have to finish that first book to move to the second book and nothing. And it's so tough. So like, you have to like do what you're saying. You have to make these times like, like for me, I use a, I use the Pomodoro method where I write for 25 minutes, get five minutes to quickly check my email or whatever it is, fire off a bad tweet and then back into it. And I do that to get out X amount of thousand words, you know, a day just to get the job done. And yeah, right. It, but you, if you don't do that, or at least I don't do it that way, I don't get it done. And yeah, this then, was the first time where my wife was like, you can't draw during the Kickstarter. Like, you can't be trying to do other projects during your Kickstarter. You have mm-hmm. to just focus on the Kickstarter because you really don't get much done when you're on a Kickstarter. So why don't you just, like, literally not do it? Don't pressure yourself and just focus on the Kickstarter stuff. So every time I, I there's a Kickstarter that's for something that I'm doing personally, I can only, like, commit to, you know, like, a few drawings that month. I have to right. focus completely on the Kickstarter. You know, and then, you know, so Wednesday, like this, this is finished tomorrow night at 10. Wednesday morning is basically like I go into the lab and mm-hmm. I won't be coming out <laughs> until I have a copy of Mother Trucker and a few other projects like finished, which is exciting. Um, are you coming you down to Heroes or? Oh, yeah, I'm coming to Heroes. Okay, good. Are okay, you going good. to Heroes? Yeah, of course. I live. I I live an hour and a half away. Okay, so, uh, so. heroes is going to be wild. Oh, dude! It's everyone's it's coming. All my friends everybody. are coming. All my like, friends are coming. Everybody. Like all my friends from Canada are coming. Like Eric Vetter and Carl. Carl staying with me. Mike Cho's coming. Like our area too is like all my best friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna That's be awesome. Nice. I think it's gonna get drinky. Like I, it's going to get messy. Gonna I think it's going to get messy. It's it's <laughs> like, if you are attending heroes, if you're listening to this and you haven't already, you know, 
hit up Andy's uh, Kickstarter, which we should talk about immediately. Yeah. Um, and you happen to be going to Heroes, you might not really want to get there early <laughs> on Saturday and Sunday because <laughs> there probably won't be a lot of people sitting at their tables. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's going to get, it's going to get funny. Yeah, for sure. It is going to, it's going to get nuts. I can't actually, I can't wait to meet Carl because I've been a big fan of what his work for a while. So um, it'll be, it'll be good to say hi. Um, All right. Talk about the Kickstarter because, you know. Um, So we finished tomorrow night and it's the third chapter. So uh, Mother Truck, Mother Trucker three, third installment. <clears throat> and it's sort of like my empire strikes back. This is like when things get really dark for mother trucker. Um, and this one's really fun because, um, well, while I was writing it is probably, I think the best thing I've written and it has way more characters in it than the other ones. So the first one felt very like slim down. You're just with mm-hmm. mother trucker and you're, you're seeing a window into the world and you're starting to do stuff and she gets into a match. And the second one, I opened it up to some more background characters but now in the third one, you know, I have enough characters that I can actually run a few little side sideline stories that are in it that are really exciting. Um, and it's like, it's super cool um, that some of the dialogue I was, I was writing for one of the scenes I'm really excited about. There's a fight between her and her mentor character that is, that's going to be really exciting. And it was, it was fun for me to write. It was like personal. So, you know, that's how I, I know that scene has some real juice to it. Um, And then as far as uh, I have two backups, uh, both drawn by Al Gofa, who um, did the Kickstarter with us for Orc Gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, Al is a, is a really awesome artist. And uh, he put out a a couple of really great anthologies on Kickstarter. uh, um, Cry Punch and Dagger Dagger, which are brilliant. Yeah. Right. With some really avant-garde comic creators that I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I need more exposure. So I'd like to work more with those guys and uh, written by Andrew Stott, Shane Hawk, the guy I wrestled on Friday who wrote all of my WWE boom studios backup stories. Um, he's a phenomenal writer. He's always like, cool. he runs IWS with, with PCP crazy Manny and he writes yeah. all the storylines. So he's ever since I knew him, he was really great at writing. And then Mark Blosel, who is uh, the guy who runs C4, which is a gigantic show in Ottawa. Um, is also a screenwriter. And I was like, hey, you know, you have this amazing knowledge of wrestling. Why don't you come in and write one of the four-page backups? So I have two four-page backups in this comic that are really cool, that are about the bad guys. So that's going to be really neat. And they're kind of tagged onto stories that happen in real life to uh, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. So it's kind of, uh, it was really exciting. Oh, very cool. People can like pull that out, those Easter eggs. And then, uh, you know, as the, the Kickstarter was going, we were unlocking like crazy stretch goals. And, you know, when I got Lady Death for the first time, it always comes with extra stuff. And I got to really thinking like in the 80s, what were those cool extra things that you would get with comics or cereal or whatever? And uh, this yeah. one has the best, like every thousand, <coughs> every thousand dollars past 20. I'm sorry. Someone hit me in the throat. Uh, Every thousand dollars past 20, uh, you got a new trading card. So there's a trading card set of all the characters. There's a three, there's three centerfold posters um, that come with the comic uh, double-sided. So you can choose which image you want to hang up. And I always love that about Matt, like, especially in the nineties, when you get an image comic or you get wizard, 
and would have like mm-hmm. a fold out poster. Oh so yeah, that was so cool. Those. Uh, it comes with patches. Um, Sweet. Yeah, it comes with like three new stickers. I'm really pumped about these stickers that I'm going to do. And Are they hypoallergenic we, for the skin? <coughs> no, it should be fine. <laughs> and if we hit 30, I'm going to do uh, another free art book. So I don't know if you remember, oh, wow. but like kind of like in the, the 90s and the sort of like the early aughts, um, our big thing was running around to Comic-Cons and collecting all the sketchbooks that artists had. Mm-hmm. Every artist had a sketchbook and you would grab all those and like learn their techniques for drawing and cartooning because right. everyone had one. You, like even if it was like an animation guy or was a comic book guy, everyone would have like an ash can um, mm-hmm. uh, art book that you would buy yep. for like 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, I would just collect those. I'd come home with, from a comic con with like 10 or 15 of them. And they'd be by like Adam Hughes and like like Dave Johnson and Dampen Ocean, yeah. all all the guys that were big like when I was coming into the industry, I would run around and get their sketchbooks. Eric Canetti, like they were they were just awesome. So when we hit thirty, I print one and everyone gets a free one, which is what I did Sweet. on on Mother Trucker Two. You got like a free art book. So this is like the second one that everyone's going to get. And if we pass thirty, if we get to like thirty one or thirty two, I'll actually put like a really you know, nice cover on it. And, you know, that was always the cool thing. So each comic you get from me is like stacked with stickers, training cards, posters, free art books. Like it's like a, uh, you know, it's, it's worth the money because you get, it's a treasure trove that stuff. It's, it's a bigger book. It has backup stories. It's not like sometimes you'll back a Kickstarter and when you get the stuff in return, you're like, Oh, that's it. You know what I mean? For, for what you pay. And with mine, I, I just like overload people with, with gear when they, when they back me. So it's like a, it's like a swag bag, super swag bag. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the link will be in the description so people can go right to the Kickstarter from wherever Excellent. they're, they're listening to this from. Also, they can go to lethal comics and yep. they'll be able to link on through there or find you what animal Bob anger um uh yeah no so all of my social media is uh andy belanger on okay. you know instagram but like when you type that in you'll see a picture of me and my wrestling mask <laughs> as animal <laughs> bob anger and <laughs> that's what you want to click on yeah okay. <laughs> and you can well, also find I'll us be- on lethalcomics.com yeah which is easy to, easy to find um and i'll have the link to that and the uh and your social media in the uh description yeah. so yeah. making it easy and it'll be in the you know on the Twitter and all that stuff. So, um, it's exciting, man. I mean, it's, it's fun stuff. I'm, I'm, it's, what's really great to hear is when you say something like I'm in the mother trucker business, like, you know what I mean? Like you've like, this isn't sort of like stumble into it. Like this was a, this was something that you wanted to do. You planned and you've really made the work and the effort and the sacrifices to get to this point. And you're, you know, you're literally on that road, which is great. Yeah. The, the planning and sacrifices that, go into just making this my my job is a lot wilder than people think that's why the last two books you know the you know take so long to come out mm-hmm. <coughs> because i tried so many things and you know with business you're trying all these things to see what works what doesn't and yep. at the end of the day the the most important thing is for me really just to be in the mother trucker business like yeah blast you know i can try you know you know, doing other things where we, you know, put out anthologies or all this stuff to try and, you know, you know, rising tides 
lift all boats. But in, at the end of the day, you just need to be every day pumping out one series. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, like my favorite artists, you know, for the most part, were like on one series for most of their life. Yeah. You know, like whether it's a Tomo or, or the guy that does Berserk or, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they'll stick to one series. And, you know, that's what I love. Every time I, I was reading a comic book series as a kid, if the artist changed, I was done. It was it was it was really hard. Yeah, because yeah. I, I would always be so focused on what the artwork looked like for the story, even though I would love the story, I would really be rather disappointed and go. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I would have to go hop ship and go find where that art, artist went and go follow their book. Yeah. And I, I feel like right now the artist is so expendable on these series that they bounce off after three. You know, they might bounce off after three books. They might bounce off after six, but it's rare to get an artist to be on a series for more than six issues. Yeah. I, the, I mean, I don't, I mean, there, there was no greater thing than having a, a year at least of some person doing some artwork. It was just Bagley Spider-Man. Like whether you like Bagley sure. or not, you just yeah. you pick up every one because it was, you know what you were going to get and the quality was pretty good and the stories were always great. And you know, that mm-hmm. like right before I quit reading superhero comics, I went to heavy metal magazine. Uh, in my teens, I, like I was just a Bagley guy. I read all of Spider-Man Bagley, right. no matter what. And at first, I got onto it because of Todd McFarlane. I was like, "Oh, Todd McFarlane!" And then this new guy came in. I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, he's not as good." And then eventually, I was like, "No, I just want Bagley." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I it, l- listen. Like every song from band, like the bands that we love, we're all like a little hinky when we hear that first new song from the new album, but then we fall in love with it. So you yeah, know. totally. <clears throat> so we all love spider-man so we're gonna love whoever does spider-man eventually yeah um all right well i'm gonna let you get back to it i'm gonna call this part one yeah and we're gonna do we're gonna do part two and we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna school me in 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 wrestling yeah yeah, yeah. and then and we'll get and we'll get a little uh you know digging into the artwork side of things and and uh oh, sure. and get yeah, a little yeah, nerdy yeah. there all right um yeah but I want to honor your time because you are <laughs> wrapping up a Kickstarter yeah, and I uh, jump over and do a bunch of graphics and yeah, you know, updates that's the, and all that business. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time it is, job. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was an absolute pleasure, Andy, oh, as awesome. usual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.